Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Property Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a PropG Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the PropG Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Welcome to Between the Links. With your host, Mike Heck. All right, the iconic voice of Esther Lynn welcomes you to a brand new edition of Between the Links as we bring you an MMA fighting versus MMA fighting matchup this week with a lot to discuss coming out of a very busy week of action. Another busy week is upon us in the world of mixed martial arts. Bellator has another event on Thursday night headlined by Darian Caldwell versus AJ McKee. What a ridiculous fight that is. And then UFC 255 is coming up on Saturday. Really fun card, two flyweight title fights, so let us get into it. Right now, let's introduce the combatants first. Victorious last week on the program, he defeated Jose Shorty Torres, and he called out one Sean Alshadi. Unfortunately, that is not going to happen this week. Sean will be paying close attention to this matchup, he tells me. From the A-side, Mr. Jose Youngs, how are you, my friend? Let's. Sean's not going to pay attention. He knows I'm going to win, so he's basically like, I'm just going to, I know I'm going to face Jose next. So this is just a formality. So he's, I guarantee he's not paying attention now because I know as of recording this, some crazy news with the Phoenix Suns is happening. So I feel like his mind is elsewhere. So, but he knows I'm going to win. So it's only a matter of time before I throw down with my fellow Arizonan, Sean Alshadi. Well, he's got to, Jose's got to get by this week and he's got a heck of a matchup ahead of him. Man looking to extract a little revenge. The co-host of On to the Next One, the soothing voice of the weigh-in shows, which will return this Friday ahead of UFC 255, the Prince of Positivity himself, Mr. Alex Gailey, AK. Nice to see you again, my friend. Hi, hi, everyone. I'm not Sean. I'm not Sean, as you can see. I am AK Lee. I'm my own man. Uh, happy to fill in for Sean. I, I imagine he was who was uh, was headed into a collision course with Jose. Could be headed into a collision course for next week, but I am here, possibly to play spoiler or at the very least uh, injure Jose in such a way that he goes into. Uh, he goes into his, his duel with Sean, less of a man. You think I you think I need to be 100% to beat Sean? Wow. Wow. Come on. Wow. You, listen, you can say that crap about me, all right? You don't say that crap about Sean Alshadi. Crap or honesty? <laughs> straight up, straight up crap. Right, right, right. Wow. Well, we're off to a great start here. Uh, there have been people asking me, where the hell is Phoenix Carnivale? I have been trying. Uh, she's been very busy as of late. We're going to try to get her back on at some point. But we have to figure out what to do with the championship here. And we'll figure that out down the road. But uh, let's begin this matchup. Let's begin with Saturday night in Las Vegas. We had Rafael Dos Anjos successfully returning to the lightweight division. Defeated a very game. Paul Felder via quote-unquote split decision. Absolutely ridiculous that I have to say those words into a live microphone. But RDA looked pretty darn good in the fight. We talked all about it on the post-fight show. If you want to get our specific thoughts on the fight itself, go back into the archives and check those out. But AK, we'll begin with you this week. You were very high on Mr. RDA heading into the fight. He emerges victorious against Paul Felder. Before we get into what this all means, and we discussed this on the preview show a little bit, as good as he looked in this fight, did the impact of the victory mean as much now that you see it compared to what it could have been against Islam Makachev? Like, despite Felder being ranked five spots higher, did it have the sort of impact that RDA would have hoped for? 
Yeah. Oh, yeah, it definitely did. Definitely did. Look, Felder is a more well-known fighter than uh, than Islam Makhachev. I mean, that's undeniable. He just has more exposure, of course, in his role as a broadcaster. Uh, and he's, he's got a style that's a little more fan-friendly for people. So uh, in a way, even though uh, you know the fight was put together in less than a week, they kind of got a more high-profile profile fight among, I guess, if we're talking about like casuals and, and mainstream, uh, then Makachev uh, RDA was, of course, hardcores know that Makachev RDA was really uh, more, more uh, impl- stronger implications for the title picture, right? But uh, no, aside from measurement, aside from just his performance, how good he looked, like the timing couldn't be better because again, we, we presumably, we don't know what's going on with Khabib, but it sounds like, <clears throat> it sounds like either he might take a fight, you know, at, at another weight class, or we don't know if he's defending the title again. Uh, and, and again, and he could stay retired. You know, Dana White, of course, has been saying that that might not be the case. But right now, I, I'm comfortable saying we don't have that we don't definitively have a lightweight champion. So the field is wide open. And there, are, after this win, there are fights ahead of of Dos Anjos that are that are uh, very winnable for him. Uh, as you mentioned, I was very high on him in the previous show. I, I picked him to be felt by decision. I think a, a lot of people did. Um, but there was some definitely some doubters as, as to what was left because he's got a little bit of a slump competing at 170 pounds but at lightweight i really never felt he lost that much i i know he lost that uh, before felder you know his his most recent fight he lost to tony ferguson it's tony ferguson you know that doesn't say anything about uh dos Anjos's diminishing skills at his age is he like you know at 90 percent 80 percent of, of what, what he was in his prime yeah probably that's still good enough to beat a lot of the division and good enough to beat someone who i think he would face i mentioned this on our, our matchmaking show someone who i think he could face in a vacant title fight uh vacant lightweight title fight Justin Gaethje. I think Rafael Dos Anjos could win that fight. I think if he ends up fighting the winner of Poirier versus McGregor, I think he can win that fight. So not just uh, is he still, I think, one of the top five best lightweights in the world. The opportunity is there and the right matchup is there for him to become a champion again. Jose, the reason that I bring this up because, you know, heading into the fight, it was, oh my God, Paul Felder is a legend. He's a hero for stepping in to save the day. And RDA in a, in a in a strange way became kind of an afterthought in this fight. And again, after the fight, he makes headlines, getting the win, he's getting Conor McGregor's attention. But the story became Paul Felder taking the fight without stepping into an MMA gym in four months. Paul's not retiring. Paul's calling out those pesky weight cut weight missers. And it feels like in a, in a weird way, RDA's win is kind of lost in the shuffle. That's how I feel. Do you feel the same way? It might be lost in the shuffle in terms of headlines and what people are talking about because, again, Paul Felder is a very charismatic individual. He knows how to use his mic mic time um, perfectly. Like, you give Paul Felder a live mic, he's going to take advantage of it uh, to say to say whatever. Uh, Rafael Dos Anjos hasn't really been the, the type of person to, I don't know, grab headlines outside of what he says. I know he'll tweet a few things, but he doesn't really captivate the audience with his microphone skills. He does that uh, inside the octagon, as he said, uh, at his media day. He just wants to fight, and he thinks if you're ready to fight, you should fight whoever. That's what he did. So, yes, his big win is lost in the headlines, but let's not forget, he picked up the win. He's in the W column. He gets the second half of his paycheck. So I think that's, in the end, more important because now we're talking about what are we talking about? We're, we're talking about him facing all these guys in the top five, possibly fighting for vacant lightweight title. If you ask Paul Felder, I guarantee you he would probably want that position rather than to dominate the headlines. What he says he wants to be Paul. Who could Paul Felder fight for the vacant lightweight title? Who could Paul Felder fight in the in the top five of the lightweight division? We're not talking about Paul Felder in that in that regard. We're talking about Rafael Dos Anjos in that regard. So. Yes, he is lost in the headlines, but I don't think he really cares. And I think Paul Felder would much rather be in Rafael Dosano's position. So, Jose, if if he fought Makachev in one, or if he fought anybody else in one, do you feel like we'd be having the same conversation right now? If it would depend on how he wins. If he squeaks out a narrow decision, then probably then we're probably talking about like, did he deserve to win? Did he do this and that? Uh, it also I think would have to do a lot with who how his fellow fighters respond. If he goes out there and knocks out Islam Makachev in about thirty seconds, people are going to be calling for him to fight Habib again because of what he did to uh, Habib's brother, teammate, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, if he goes out there and squeaks out a controversial decision, I don't think Conor McGregor is going to be tweeting about him. So. Uh, yeah, I guess if he wins, if he beat Islam Makachev, he'd probably do more in terms of the Dagestani audience because we all know the Dagestani audience and fans is one of the most vocal in all of mixed martial arts. Michael Chandler himself said the second he said he wasn't going to fight Islam Makachev, his DMs exploded. And now everyone at Dagestan knows who Michael Chandler is. Probably the same case if Rafael Dos Anjos had beaten Islam Makachev, regardless of how it is, but he didn't. 
So it's I don't know how I, I I don't know if he had if I don't know because he didn't. He beat Paul Felder. Uh if he had beaten Conor McGregor, sure, he'd be the biggest star in the world right now. But he didn't. He beat Paul Felder and he's in the win column. And now we're talking about what's next for Rafael dos Santos. What do you think, AK? I mean, I feel like the impact of the win just wasn't, I don't know. I just feel like it's not there on a, on, on a Monday as you record it. You know what I mean? Like most of these main events, we're talking about a Monday and Tuesday. And I don't think it's really fair to RDA. I thought he performed pretty well. It's not his fault that Makachev got hurt and he fought a guy who hadn't trained in four months. Still, he went out there and had a fun fight. I mean, Felder wasn't like a, wasn't lost out there. He had his moments and he, he beat RDA up a little bit at, at different times in the fight. And in fact, even one judge scored it for Paul Felder. So at the end of the day, should RDA be getting a, a little more of a rub on this Monday? Yeah, I mean, look, we, we said like the buildup, a lot of it revolved around Felder stepping in. And, it's, and, and it is not RDA's fault that uh, Judge Chris Lee lost his damn mind. And uh, scored the fight 48-47 for for uh, for Felder. Uh, maybe maybe the fifty forty fives were a bit much. I don't know if you want to give a round to Felder. Maybe two, but uh, giving him the fight was patently absurd. I think it's fair to say so. But look, you're right. But look, this is what we're talking about, right? So it does say a little bit about how much of an impact the actual win itself had. But I think um, when people when people look back on it, and I think anyone who actually watched the fight, I don't know what the viewership numbers were. Like I said, uh, as much as I said, uh, it's his chances of getting another title shot are about how the landscape of lightweight looks right now. I don't want to discount what he did, you know, what he did to win the fight. He 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 looked again a lot like the old RDA. I think it was uh I think it was our our man in the truck uh, Casey Lydon who said he he thought it could look or maybe it was Jose who said it could look like the the Pettis fight. And it kind of reminded me a little bit of the five round uh championship win that uh, RDA had against Pettis. Um maybe not as well no, I mean it reminded me a little bit a lot. So if that's the RDA that you saw uh, that you feel like you saw on Saturday then, I mean, again, how can you not uh, see him as a factor and see him as back uh, back near the top of the division? He just turned 36, as did I. So, you know, I might be a little biased. This is one for the uh, the 36 years young guys. Okay, so I'm, I'm, I'm rooting for, for RDA to get it. I can't lie. So, I mean, RDA shoots for the stars. He calls for Connor. Pretty unlikely to happen anytime soon. But you never know ahead of January 23rd. We are in a very strange time in the world. But uh, AK, when you look at RDA and you kind of talked about what the landscape of this division looks like with some of the names that are up there. But the main reason he wanted to go back to 55 is that he feels he could be the champion once again. So did that performance, did that fight, did that win make you feel like, you know what, I think he can get back there? Or do you still need to see some more before making that decision? I think he can't look. Habib is the only guy who I would say Habib. As long as Habib is around, let's say tomorrow he's announces that he's not retired. Guess what? Nobody. I, I don't think anybody is getting the lightweight title that's not named Habib. So that's not just RDA. That'd be Conor McGregor, Justin Poirier, Justin Gaethje, Tony Ferguson, anyone you want to name. Habib is the guy to beat. But if he's out of the picture, RDA is is more than just in the mix. I, like I said, I I can't imagine him being more than like a like if he's an underdog at all to some of these names more than like a 150 underdog to a Poirier, McGregor, Gaethje, the guys I just named uh maybe Ferguson because Ferguson's already beaten him so I'd understand if, if Ferguson was was heavily favored that's about the only name otherwise he has the skills to just skill wise to match up with any of these guys of 155 you know I, I know the age is a big sticking point for some people but just from what we saw on Saturday it it didn't look like he'd lost that much of a step so I'm uh yeah I, I really can't I don't know if, if I can say it enough that I think don't be surprised if there's some circumstance where some injuries happen some matchups you know don't materialize versus scheduled and RDA slots into some sort of vacant lightweight title fight we maybe it's him and Michael Chandler you know in the summer who knows right we just don't know MMA is so unpredictable and and in a fight against Chandler I I wouldn't I wouldn't count him out either so the the words uh, Rafael dos Anjos uh, light UFC lightweight champion in uh, in the year of our Lord 2021 is not that crazy. Jose, do you think it is that crazy or do you agree with AK? Uh, the only crazy part I would disagree with would be 2021. I don't think he's going to fight for the lightweight championship in the year 2021, just because there seems to be a lot of fights that need to happen first. So I don't, and I, again, if he got the title shot based off of like, like we had talked about, like being that standby fighter, I think that would be the, the best case scenario for him to get that lightweight title shot. And a hundred percent, I think he could be anyone not named Habib Nurmagomedov, but I would say the same thing about Justin Gaethje. I would say the same thing about Justin Poirier, Con mcgregor tony ferguson anyone in the top five at lightweight could be the champion of the world if habib never made off retires and i would throw hotfield dos Anjos right in there he could be any one of those guys if you do this big round robin this big tournament of everyone fights everyone 
and then you move forward, kind of like the World Cup, it would be hard, man. There's a lot of fights in there that I think would be 50-50 matchups. Of course, I would slightly favor some guys, but like if Connor fought Justin Poirier, I would slightly favor Connor. I, that's had no way means Dustin Poirier can't win that fight because he is a completely different fighter from their first rematch. So I would absolutely group Hotfield Dos Anjos into that category. Same as Michael Chandler, same as Dan Hooker. Any of those guys can be any of them on their best day unless they face Habib Nurmagomedov, who's going to probably retire undefeated unless he fights George St. Pierre in either catchweight or if he goes up to 170. If George drops to 155, I would heavily favor Habib Nurmagomedov, but that's an entirely different conversation we can have down the road if that ever happens. So yeah, Rafael Dos Anjos could absolutely be the lightweight champion in the world. I just don't think it will happen in 2021. The moral of this round, ladies and gentlemen, is put respect on RDA's name. Okay, Paul Felder is a freaking G for taking that fight. But Dos Anjos is also a G for accepting it and winning the fight. So we will see where he goes from here. The point for round one in this great matchup goes to Alex K. Lee. Very passionate. I'd like that. I dig that. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a Prop G Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. AK on the board here as we head to a, a round of compare and contrast because the UFC had an interesting card. We talked about the main event. We had an insane knockout from one Chaos Williams in the co-main event. Some good performances, some bad weight cuts, and the removal of a few fights on fight week. And then Bellator, a couple of days prior to that, Thursday night, they had Bellator 252. And I have to say, personally speaking, it was a fantastic night for Bellator. Patricio Pitbull continues his dominance, knocking out Pedro Carvalho. Manuel Sanchez looked phenomenal. Aaron Pico was among a slew of great highlight reel finishes. This was the kind of card Bellator needed to, to get some buzz and get some positive juju going the way. So, Jose, we're going to begin with you. It's been a little while since we've had a conversation like this, but who won the week, in your opinion, Bellator or the UFC? I would probably say Bellator in terms of like what, uh, uh, what in terms of what were the better fights because Pat- Patricio Pitbull, like I've said this a million times, anytime you can watch the best at what someone does, do what they do, it's a treat. And Patricio Pitbull is the greatest fighter in the history of Bellator. And there's this whole argument, like remember a couple months ago, like who had the better roster as a light heavyweight, like. Uh, Bellator, the UFC, who had the better welterweight, Bellator, the UFC. We might be looking at the best featherweight in the world, and that's Patricio Pitbull. And I think what adds to this is Alexander Volkanovsky responded to someone on Twitter with eye-rolling emojis when someone said Patricio Pitbull, when Patricio Pitbull said he was the best featherweight in the world. So not only are fans talking about it, the UFC featherweight champion in the world is responding and he's playing into it. So of course it's Bellator because everyone keeps saying, oh, uh, Bellator is the B-League, this and that, which is completely disrespectful because Patricio Pitbull is one of the best fighters in the world. But now UFC champions are responding and reacting and they know what's happening. So it's of course Bellator won this this week. Yes, Paul Felder had the feel-good story. Yes, Rafael Dos Anjos uh, picks up the W in his first fight at lightweight. But Patricio Pitbull was supposed to fight Pedro Carvalho months ago before the pandemic he they weighed in and stared down and then the next day their fight gets canceled because of the pandemic hit they have to they basically have to 
weigh in completely all they have to go through their fight camp again weigh in again stare down again all this stuff with the face mask and then they fight in front of no one and patricio people puts them away in less than three minutes so of course bellator won this fight because the face of their organization did what he does best and put on the best performance he, he could have hoped for uh so yeah i would absolutely say bellator one plus emmanuel sanchez wins uh beats uh dan Veichel. he moves on aaron pico picks up an uh, a skull rattling knockout and every he's one of the most marketable fighters in all of mma not just bellator so of course everyone that i think bellator would i don't want to say bellator hopes they would win the more marketable fighters won aaron pico patricio pitbull uh carrie carrie taylor melendez so i would say bellator is the big winner of this weekend ak who won the week in your opinion the ufc or was it bellator mma well for that i will just add that you're, you, that's actually a good point that uh None of their fighters slipped on the uh, proverbial banana peel as it was. And uh, one guy we didn't mention, I, I do want to shout out Yaroslav Amasov, now 25-0 uh, in MMA. Uh, not easy to do. I don't care where you're fighting. And I think eight of those fights were like in Bellator. So he's been fighting against good competition. And he was facing another unbeaten. So if anyone thinks this guy, uh, and, and a very tough guy, and Logan Storley. So if anyone thinks that Amasov is kind of like can crushing, uh, I assure you he is not. Uh, I think Ed Ruth, Dave Rickles are in there. Um, so, But I'm going to give the filthy casual perspective here. And uh, say that uh, UFC almost wins by default just by keeping the show together uh, after losing its main event, and then uh, and then having some late cancellations, you know, on on Friday and, and Saturday. So it's it's almost an unfair question because, like I said, because again, as long as the UFC runs an event, they're just always going to have more general interest. Bellator, you know, has to do something like they can't just have a great show. There has to be like something absolutely insane has to happen for them to to win win the battle as far as like recognition goes. Um, so I'm not I'm not saying which one had the better card necessarily. I think comfortably, I think anyone who watched Bulls cards would say Bellator 252. But uh, but as far as again, what had more impact? I mean, still the guy people were talking about the most uh, over the last week were, were were Rafael dos Anjos because he was scheduled to be in the main event, and Paul Felder because of his incredible story of coming in on less than a week. So we've talked about them a lot. I, I won't dwell on that. Patricio Pitbull obviously has to be the third star. Uh, you know, I mean, uh, you know, has to be again, if not number one, as Jose said, but. But he's in this unfortunate no man's land where if he blows away and dominates his opponent as he did with uh, Carvalho, then then people say, oh, well, he's just fighting guys who who aren't uh, who aren't, you know, high level, you know, which is completely untrue. It's just he's so good. He's just so far ahead of his guys. Um, so and, and if he fights someone who people and, and if it's a competitive fight, let's say he went five rounds, Carvalho back and forth, then it's the opposite. People are saying, oh, well, Pitbull's not that good. He couldn't even finish Carvalho in, in a round. So he, he really can't win right now. And, and I think something to sort of support my argument of why the UFC just kind of wins is immediately after these fights, anytime Pitbull takes someone out now, and it was happening with Chandler too for the longest time when he was with Bellator, is the first thing we'll ask is, yeah, but how would he do in UFC? How do you do in UFC? Oh, this guy needs to go to UFC. He needs to stop. He needs to stop fighting guys in Bellator. And I'm not saying I agree with that. I, I'm just giving the perspective of, of, I think, the way a lot of people view these things, unfortunately. And, uh, and again, why I think they, objectively speaking, uh, one one the week as it were you know whatever that means I, th I think people were still talking about RDA uh, and the UFC even though uh, and RDA UFC and Paul Felder even though again that card for me was subpar I think I wouldn't I would not call it one of the most entertaining cards of the year uh, to be generous but I but I imagine people tuned in and the takeaways that they'll that they'll take from it would be you know the main event the Chaos Williams KO and that's really enough to to keep the UFC in the lead uh, fair or not. All right, so you you kind of alluded to it, AK. We wanted to incorporate one of our favorite segments, the three stars, into this topic mm -hmm. because you know we got an even larger pool to choose from since we're talking about two events. And you can certainly make the argument that more stars could come from the UFC, more stars could come from Bellator. It was really a fun week to look back upon, kind of looking back at these performances. So, who are your three stars coming out of these events? It seems like Patricio Pitbull is on there, but it's pretty wide open here. Who are the other two guys or gals? Uh, yeah, I mean, look, I, I mentioned Chaos Williams. Uh, I don't think it quite it quite exploded as much as the Buckley KO. I really no no, no finish is going to explode <laughs> like the Buckley KO uh, anytime soon, unless again someone does something just as crazy, maybe a, maybe a two footed uh, head kick KO <laughs> off of like you know the leg getting cut. I don't know. We again. We didn't see the Buckley KO coming. I shouldn't say, you know, that these things can happen because it's MMA. Literally anything, anything can happen. So, yeah, I'm standing by kind of what I said about Dos Anjos and Felder being the big, the biggest stars. But I'll put I'll put Pitbull over over Kels Williams, over anyone else who fought on Bellator, over anyone else who fought in the UFC. And I'll just elaborate a little bit more on this point of like kind of why he's not the number one star. It's it's you know people don't understand how good he is. Um, 
the recent wins again, I think Cavallo's high quality opponent, Archuleta, of course, the current bantamweight champion, uh, Michael Chandler, super fight, lightweight champion, and then uh, Manuel Sanchez, really tough. So, and that's just the last four. I mean, he's he's had a lot of great wins in his career. Um, I'd probably and I'd probably rank him. I'd probably rank him in the top five. Jose said maybe number one. I would definitely have him just kind of give people an insight to like I think what I'm thinking and how other media people might be thinking. I'd rank him behind Volkanovski. I'd rank him behind Holloway and Ortega, but I'd have him ahead of uh, Zombie. Yair and Zabit. So maybe I'm underrating him a little bit, like as far as the star of the week. Maybe he was number one. I, I'm still comfortable putting him third. I still feel like RDA uh, and Felder were the most talked about. And I think the performances didn't let people down. So I, it's not just a buildup to their fight. Like I said, I thought RDA put together a really great, complete fight, reminded people why he's back in uh, world title contention, as we've already discussed on the show. And Felder got so much credit. I mean, I mean, credit to Michael, props to Michael Bisping for, for helping out his, uh, his, his broadcasting partner. Because if you asked him, it's like Felder was like, Felder might have won the fight. If you just listened to the, uh, to the Bisping commentary, he loved it. It was such a, a valiant performance in his eyes. And, and he wasn't far off. It really was an impressive performance for someone on five days fighting a world-class opponent who then later said he hadn't been in the gym, uh, MMA gym training for, for four months. So um, I still have to put them above uh, Patricia Pupil. All right, Jose. So AK's list is RDA, Felder, Patricio Pitbull. What is your three-star list? <laughs> I can't hear you. He just oh, picked three of the four right. people in the main events. Like that's what I did. It's not hard. It's like it's picking hard. all the number one seeds to go to it's the final hard. four in the Marshall Madness. It, like, and guess what? It on. works. It works a lot. It works a lot. If you want to go against Chalk, go for it. If you, want, if you want to make this harder than it has to be, have at it. I'm not, I'm not gonna do it very few times has all four number ones ever made it to the final four all at the same time. I think it's only happened maybe twice, maybe three times. Anyway, Patricia Pitbull, at, least, I mean, at, no, least, no, at no. least two of them, at least two of them have made it like 90% of the time. So it's not a bad strategy. Sure. Um, <laughs> but I'm not in no specific order. Cause I never, I don't really rank them like one, two, three, uh, Patricia Pitbull, obviously uh, anytime again, like I said, the best at what they do, like not only showcases what they do well, but does it in an emphatic fashion. You, he has to be included on the list. I really think uh, our own Guillermo Cruz did a phenomenal job covering this event when Patricio Pitbull and Pe- Pedro Carvalho, he did that piece where they interviewed each other. Uh, and anytime uh, Guillermo does that, I, I, am, it, I am thoroughly entertained. But their level of trash talking was so unique because they both speak the same language. Patricio Pitbull is obviously from Brazil, Pedro Carvalho from Portugal. So uh, they both speak Portuguese. So it was, it was very uh, fun read. And there, there was this level of kind of animosity uh, between them. And Patricia Pitbull, of course, uh, tweeted that Brazil is still the king, which alludes to the the healthy rivalry they have in the soccer world between Pedro Carvalho. I mean, uh, between Portugal and Brazil. So uh, Patricia Pitbull, of course, Grizz Bellator fight whoever lived doing so. Uh, as a featherweight lightweight champ, and I honestly think he could drop to bantamweight because he's not the biggest featherweight. He could be a natural bantamweight like Frankie Edgar, and with one Archuleta holding that belt. Patricio Pitbull could be a triple champ in my mind. He could be the lightweight, featherweight, and bantamweight champion. Whether Bellator wants to allow him to do that and hold up three divisions, because if they want to do another, like a bantamweight Grand Prix, he would have to hold up two divisions that at that point. I don't think they want that. So Patricio Pitbull, of course, I'll throw in Aaron Pico because Aaron Pico made the made the media rounds right after. He was on the TMZs. He was on Instagram. He was on all this stuff. So Aaron Pico uh, was on that devastating losing streak of back-to-back violent knockouts uh, to Adam Borch uh, and uh, Henry Corrales. When everyone thought Aaron Pico was the next coming of Jesus Christ and he was going to be the new George St. Pierre and he could walk on water and turn uh, water into wine and everything. And then he goes on this this losing streak to back-to-back violent knockouts. Like I said, and all of a sudden he's a bust, never should have been signed, should never fight in the main event. How dare you consider him to be this the, the, the next protege, this big protege, the next George St. Pierre. And now he's quietly riled off a few very impressive wins in the way he in the way he should be winning against the level of competition he is facing. He should be winning this way. So he's doing what he needs to do uh, with him at Jackson, with him and Brandon Gibson. He is a completely new fighter. And then he calls out who does he call out? Henry Corrales and Adam Borch, not because he hates them, but because they made him better martial artists. And he wants to go challenge them and get that win back. So. I'll throw in Aaron Pico, and then of course uh, you know, I'll I'll throw in uh, Chaos Williams just because he got another knockout. And I don't I'm only not, I'm not including Dos Anjos and Felder because we've talked about them at nauseum, and we don't need to spend more time talking about those two because they're f- fantastic. Um, Chaos Williams, Casey and I were at his fight in Houston when he knocked out Moreno, and it was absolutely devastatingly violent. And then he goes and he turns right around 
and he gets another one uh, in less than a minute. I think someone said that he's like he's on some sort of list of like uh, most sub minute knockouts uh, in like one calendar year or something crazy like that. I don't know the exact stat, but he's up there with like Rumble Johnson in terms of that. And then all of a sudden, people are saying if he get if he turns around and gets one more win and wins the same way again, why isn't he fighter of the year? How come we're not talking about him instead of Hamza? Like he he if he turns around and fights on like eleven days notice against another sub minute knockout and he gets three like sub minute knockouts in one calendar year, and all of a sudden he's fired the year, we should be promoting him instead of Hamza. And then uh, I can't remember off the top of my head, but apparently he was wearing some sort of pin to bring awareness. Um, and it's really going to bother me because I wrote it down and I can't find my notes anywhere. He's wearing a pin to uh, promote awareness for some sort of cause, and he uses platform spectacularly with the best suit I've seen in years. So I'll throw chaos wing into my three stars of the three stars of the weekend. It was uh, for autism awareness, which now that that's you what it, it is. Now that you mention it, I'm embarrassed. I did not give him a one of Felder yes. or Dos Anjos So spots. I'll say Chaos Williams because he promoted autism awareness and had the flyest suit of the year. Yeah, it was it was it was a fun week. It was a great night for Bellator. Let's see if they can keep it up this week. Pretty good card on Thursday. We mentioned uh you know, the, the, the main event, you get Benson Henderson back against Jason Jackson. Jeremy Kennedy makes his Bellator debut against fellow former UFC featherweight Matt Bissett. Baby Slice is back. Kevin Lee's brother is fighting Rafian Stotts. Keith Lee uh, should be a good card, but uh, it's a good matchup here on BTL. The point for round two goes to Jose Youngs. Yeah. Jose Youngs has evened up the matchup. Sean Elshadi, hope you're that one paying too. attention. There you I go. I get him that one too. I mean, you you basically I took, gave I took it away. <laughs> I, I can't believe I forgot about the Cass Williams, uh, the autism awareness uh, thing, that, uh, lapel, lapel that he was wearing. I totally forgot. Yes. So let us move ahead to the next offering for the Ultimate Fighting Championship, UFC 255. And we've talked about this quite a bit over the last few weeks on the live preview and post shows. This thing is flying under the radar amongst fans. We get two flyweight title fights. Davis and Figueiredo defending for the first time against Alex Perez. We get Valentina Shevchenko, one of the best fighters on planet Earth, regardless of gender, defends her title against Jennifer Maya. Interesting main card. Prelims have a lot of cool things on it, but for some reason, this one is just not generating any buzz. So we're going to go ahead and attempt to do the fans, maybe in some degree, the UFC a little bit of a solid and, and try to sell this card because I think it's super underrated heading into it. So AK, you are the prince of positivity after all. You're going to put your promoter hat on and, and, and listen, maybe, you know what? Maybe you're going to take that promoter hat and throw it in the garbage. Maybe you're not into this card as much as I am. But either way, give us your thoughts on UFC 255. Why should folks tune in and spend their hard-earned $65 or maybe... You feel they should save their money on this one. What do you think? Oh, no, no, no. I, look, I, I'm, 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 if there's anything I'm going to throw in the garbage, it's the, the scheduled lineup for this card. Because, first of all, I would have had Valentina in the main event. Okay? I, I, look, I, I'm not saying that I expect that to be a better fight than, uh, than Figueredo and Perez. I, I actually think the Figueredo-Perez fight is really good. But at some point, I think you have to realize what you have in Shevchenko. I'm, I, I'm not saying she's a Rousey level, John Jones level, McGregor level star. I'm not. I'm you know. I'm not saying she's that. She's that tier. But she's in the next tier of someone who I think is really marketable. Is someone people, uh, at, at least the majority of, of dedicated MMA fans, will pay uh, their hard earned money for. And those are the people you want to retain and 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 appease. You know what I mean? And and some of them will bring in a little extra casual interest. You know, tell their friends about it. But and that's good. So whatever you get, that's just great for you, right? Uh, so I would have had her as the, as the main event. I think she, she's got the kind of personality for it. Uh, this is her fourth defense of the world title. If we're talking about same weight classes, I would have gone with the fighter uh, who's who's had more title defenses and 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 really dominant, right? So that's that's kind of the first move I would have made. I don't think there was anything we can do about that. I don't think they're going to change that. But again, I'm I'm going way back, uh, and I'm and I'm bending the rules a bit. I would have gone all in on the flyweights too. Uh, I know. As soon as people hear that, they're like, that's pay-per-view poison. You know what I mean? We couldn't, they couldn't sell pay-per-views to Demetrius Johnson, the greatest flyweight of all time at the top. When, when Henry Cejudo was uh, was doing super fights, uh, doing that super fight with Dillashaw, that wasn't like a huge drawing event, right? So I get it. I get it. Sounds crazy. But as we said, it's under the radar. It's not generating this crazy amount of buzz anyway. So you may as well go all in and, and you know, go back to the kind of the old thing of like, oh, this is the fastest division in sports or tell people it's the most skilled, tell people it's hot. This is marketing team's job, okay? You don't have to you don't have to tell 100% the truth. Follow the follow your boss Dana White and really sell this. And I would have so I would have put more I would have Brandon on Brandon obviously would have been on the main card, uh, Roy Val versus Moreno. Um maybe not all fights, like I said there's a Shogun fight which I think you have to put on there, putting that in the prelims would be crazy. I don't I don't think anyone would stand for that. 
But friggin', I mean, this is kind of my third point I was going to make was friggin' Mike Perry, get the F, get the F out of here, all the way out of here, okay? We don't need this guy. If it was the Robbie Lawler fight, I completely understand it. There's no way I'm saying bump that off the main card. But him and Tim Means, with respect with respect to Means, uh, that could have been the prelims. I would have bumped up on the flyweight cards. I, I, good for, for Means for taking that fight. But, I mean, Mike Perry's trash. And the farther we get him away from a card, the better marketed that card can be. That's in, in my mind. So those are, those are three things that I would have done. The crowd is uh, is erupting to uh, to that answer. Jose, your thoughts on this card? Should people spend their 65 bucks on it? Uh, yeah, I mean, but I'm also a huge mixed martial arts fans. Like if you're telling me to sell it to the casual fans, they're not they're not going to listen to me cuz those the casual fans will tune in to watch John Jones, Conor McGregor, the heavyweight champions of the world. I mean, they had we made up a belt for Nate Diaz and Jorge Masvidal. And that was one of that was like one of, if not the highest selling pay-per-views of the year. So I'm not going to try to sell it to them because their opinion doesn't matter. Um, so Davidson Figueredo versus Alex Perez and Valentina Shevchenko versus Jennifer Maya. Those are two awesome fights. I'm not as like offended by the layout of the card as most people. I get their arguments, but I don't particularly care because from the amount of fighters that I've talked to, they don't really care when they fight. Like a lot of fighters actually prefer fighting sooner. A lot of them prefer fighting on the preliminary cards. I know um, your interview with Brandon Royval, he was like, people aren't even going to buy the pay-per-view, so this is the actual main event. So if that's the attitude he's <laughs> taking, good on him for getting the, getting the slot he wants. Who are we to argue against it if he got the actual person entering a cage to fist fight a human being? If he has no complaints, I don't know why we should have any complaints because we're not the ones getting inside of a cage fist fighting another human being. Uh, Figueredo versus Cody Garbrandt would have made sense as the main event because Cody Garbrandt uh, is obviously probably the biggest name of the four between uh, Figueredo, him, Valentina, and Maya, which is unfortunate because Valentina, I think, is could be the best female fighter of all time. Uh, I know she has the two losses to Man News, and I'm talking solely like the ta- like how talented she is. People are compared to like a female James Bond. I'm all for that comparison because she knows like a thousand languages. She's always shooting guns, throwing knives, jumping out of planes, doing photo shoots. And then she goes out there and just gets spit crazy spinning wheel kicks on just guys. So yes, hundred percent on favor of the, of the James Bond comparison. So, uh, but would I, would you spend money on it? hundred percent. I think Figueredo is, uh, the only thing holding him back from being an abs, not a mega star crossover star, but from being one of the most interesting fighters, in the UFC is the fact that he doesn't speak English. Uh, some of the, like our own game, my crew spoke to him after his big win over Joe B on the first fight on the card. And he, he was like laying out a lot of the jobs he had. He was a Mason. He was a sushi chef. He was a hairdresser. He was a taxi driver. He did all of these weird things. And I am all in favor of Davis Figueredo going back to his old job with jobs with his championship belt and just showing us and doing those jobs. Would you watch that? I would, if we saw Davidson Figueredo making sushi with his big championship belt on and then giving it, giving them to the customers. I'm all in favor of it. He also takes phenomenal photo shoots with all the cows and horses. He owns the only thing holding him back from being the most interesting man in the UFC is the fact he doesn't speak English, which is unfortunate because he is by far the most violent flyweight in the world. If people want to get sold on the contender series, Alex Perez is absolutely phenomenal. The only person he's lost to is Joseph Benavides. He's beaten everyone else. Everyone complaining about flyweights not getting stoppage wins. Alex Perez has those. David Figueredo has those. If that doesn't sell you, I'm sorry. You're a lost cause to me. All right, Jose, let me go back to you because, as you mentioned, we have two very dangerous champions defending their titles. Right now, Figueiredo, more than a three-to-one favorite. He's around a minus 315 in the betting lines. Valentina Shevchenko, anywhere from a minus 1250 to a minus 1800 favorite over Jennifer Maia. And I know that for those who are watching you and and have watched the preview shows, they know that you give a 1% chance for anybody to win most of these fights. In your heart of hearts, on a scale of 1 to 10, how likely will we see an and new on Saturday night? Uh, 1%. 1%. 
Uh, that is that's only because like there are obviously some fights like I knew Habib was going to be Connor. I knew Ronda was going to be Betchgohea. There are just some fights that you are so positive that the other person is going to win. You give him a hundred percent chance. I give Jennifer Maya a one percent chance because yes, she she has missed weight, which is the big knock against her. But she's also like she's beaten Alexa Davis, Roxanne Modafari. She just tapped Joanne Calderwood, and she's only lost to people who have fight for the title. Uh, who who's like Callan Chukagan and Liz Carmouche, Valentina has both beaten. So uh, I would give her a 1% chance because she's very good on the ground. She comes from a shoot-to-boxing background, so I don't want to uh, disrespect uh, any of her training camps. So 1% chance, but that is about as small a 1% chance if I've given any other any fighter in a very long time. I, I think I am I'm pretty confident when I say Valentina should get this done inside three rounds. What about Perez? Perez, I'll give, uh, man, that's a tough one. 25%. He's an awesome fighter, but I just think he got outclassed by Joe B. And I think Joe B could be the third, the fourth best flyweight in the world behind Demetrius Johnson, Henry Cejudo, and uh, Davison Figueredo. And I would still think, I still think Demetrius Johnson's the best flyweight in the world. I think Henry Cejudo is the second best. And Figueredo uh, just happens to be the most violent of the three, but that uh, can oftentimes uh, be a detriment when you're fighting these guys with such high IQs, fight IQs uh, like Demetrius Johnson, Henry Cejudo. Uh, Alex Perez is awesome. I just think, David Superfredo is a whole nother beast entirely. When he hits people, their face changes. So I give I I I'd give I'd give Alex Perez maybe a twenty five percent chance of winning. But I think that fight is going to be absolutely awesome. So AK on a scale of one to ten, Jose is giving it around a one point seven five that we would see in and new. He's given one percent for Maya to win. Uh-huh. 2.5% for 2.5 out of 10 for I, I suck at fraction math. So we're not even going to go there, but we're around a 1.75. What now, say yeah. you? What say I you on the scale one point, to 10? I, I think he's giving a 0. 0.01 out of 10 for, uh, for why did we start doing math? Mike? Yeah. You're the host. You're, you're just, supposed to stop these. You're supposed to stop these things. Uh, all right. So let's just so say, I, what, what, one to 10 for you. What are the chances that we have one new champion crown on Saturday? Oh, sorry, sorry, Mike. Could you repeat that? My, my audio broke up for a second. On a scale of one to ten, how likely will we see a new champion on Saturday? Man, I'm gonna go. I probably like Perez's chances a, a little more, even than Jose. Uh, again, I wouldn't go past like fifty percent. But so if I'm not going past fifty percent, and I don't think Shevchenko loses, out of ten, I'll go four out of ten. I know that doesn't sound super exciting, but that might be higher than some. I bet you, if you ask most fans, they're probably going one or two out of ten. They don't see either uh, Figueredo or uh, or Shevchenko losing. But I, I actually really do like Alex Perez's chances. Um, he's, if anything, for me, uh, I think the Joe B fight was a sign of um, kind of how much further he had to go. But again, that was two years ago. That's that for me was the kind of loss that that he learned a lot. I think he learned a lot from. And if they fought again, I would. If he fought uh, Benavides again. I would probably favor Perez. Uh, so saying that, I think he's a much much improved fighter, and I do like his chances against against uh, Figueroa. The Figueroa, um, I think, as we've we've said after the uh, beating, he have to be Benavidez the second time. Does look like he has the makings of being being maybe one of the next dominant UFC champions. But I'm going to need to see this first defense, how he handles this first defense, to to, re- to really be convinced. So, um, and uh, I, I'm a petty person, so I actually want to pick up on one thing uh, Jose mentioned earlier. I, I like that he said. Uh, Shevchenko knows like a million languages. It's such an American thing to say. I think she knows like four. I, I know for Americans, that's like a lot. That's like a million. That's like, you know, you, you uncultured swine. That's like, that's like a million languages. She, I think she's like, it's like probably like Kyrgyz, Russian. I, I, I'm Russian. I know Kyrgyz, I would assume. And then Spanish and, uh, and English. That's four languages. It's very impressive, but uh, guys, it's not a million. It's a lot of, you know, it's very common in other countries, uh, you know, more, more cultured countries. Canada being one of them, of course. You um, still talking about this, bro? Move on. Yeah, I'm very petty. I'm very petty. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah, but uh, to answer the question, four out of ten. Four out of ten. I think I think Perez does have a really a, a really solid chance, though. Math and foreign language, just what you wanted to see here on Between the yeah. Links. Uh, we're going to continue. It. We're going to continue on this somewhat in our next segment. But I'm telling you, I have this UFC 199 vibe to this card where people want to skip it. But it ends up being really good, and you, and you and you end up getting upset that you didn't watch it. But don't get pissed at me if I'm wrong. But as it stands right now, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. But the point for round three goes to Jose Youngs. He takes the lead. Yeah, he takes the lead. He takes the lead here. I love your positivity. Okay. I, I sense a robbery review coming. I'm just saying. I'm already. I'm already fired up. 
Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Good. This this is perfect. Just just the question that you want to talk about because you're excited for this one. So I figured I figured we would round off regulation this week with one of the big topic talking points recently. It's the fighter of the year topic. I know it was briefly mentioned on the show earlier, but uh, this year is pretty wide open right now, and you can make an argument for a lot of people. And some are champions, some are not. But one who knows, maybe more of those options, potential nominees, are competing this Saturday at UFC 255. So Davis and Figueiredo has been a name thrown out there quite a bit. So, Jose, we're going to start with you here. Sure, there's still some fights left, but for the most part, fighters of the year are typically fighters who have, are champions or who could win champions. And if Figgy goes out there and beats Alex Perez and does so decisively, is he now the front runner for fighter of the year with his two wins over Benavidez, winning and defending the title? But the one negative knock against him, he does have a weight miss. So where does a win over Perez put him in this conversation? If he wins on Saturday, I would probably put him number one. But we have that's not a locked in number one, because like you said, it's usually champions. And it's unfortunate this year. A lot of the champions have been tied up. A lot of the other promotions had to take those long pauses. Like if Pitbull had gone on this run and won the featherweight Grand Prix decisively, we could be talking about him as fighter of the year. But because there was that 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 gap in action of everyone outside of the UFC, we really can only look at the UFC. If Figueredo wins on Saturday, I would probably put him number one. But that's not that's to say, like if Kevin Holland goes out there and beats Jack Hermanson, he goes to five and zero. Oh, in 2020 um, and, and beat Jack Hermanson, who is who who is one of the best middleweights in the world, like a, a legitimate middleweight contender. If he had beaten Darren Till, we could be talking about him maybe fighting Robert Whitaker for a number one contender spot. If Kevin Holland goes out there and beats Jack Hermanson, we have to talk about him. If Hamza Shemaev goes 3-0 and in the span of like 60 days, and then goes and beats Leon Edwards. He's an unranked fighter, and all of a sudden beats Leon Edwards, who has a legitimate argument to be fighting for the welterweight championship of the world right now. Hamza Shemaev probably beats Leon Edwards and then fights the winner of Burns and Usman. I, I, I can see it. I can see it coming. The UFC really wants that. Dana is very high on Hamza. He had his own media scrum on the second uh, fight island card. He sat next to Dana White octagon side during the fight. So if Hamza beats Leon Edwards, you have to throw him in there. So if if Everyone wins. If everyone wins, that like I said, it's going to come down to Figueredo, Kevin Holland, Hamza Shemaev. I have a feeling the fans are going to lean toward Hamza Shemaev because he's the most popular. But Kevin Holland beating Jack Hermanson, you have to really seriously take into consideration because he also cut weight to fight Trevin Giles. When his fight fell out, he's called everyone out. He even offered to fight uh, Ed Herman after Trevin Giles fell out. And Ed Herman was obviously, uh, he couldn't be reached. So Kevin Holland was getting ready to take a short notice opponent on like 30 minutes let alone one day. So, uh, yeah, you'd have to throw those two in. But if he wins on Saturday, Figueredo, for me, would be the front runner. AK, what do you think? Well, we all know, uh, as I as I mentioned, in, I think our earlier appearance, Mike uh, Kamar Usman is already my fighter of the year pick, uh, <laughs> far, far far away. So really, I I have to, I have to stick to it, right? Uh, what kind of man would I do if I didn't say? Uh, anyway, anyone who didn't uh, see one of my past appearances, I panicked. I panicked during your question, and I picked Kamar Usman fighter of the year. I'm not proud of it, but I'll own it. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I know it happened. People can check the tapes. I'm not going to deny it. So obviously, it's not. It's not Usman's. Uh, he would have been up there if 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 the Gilbert Burns fight, <clears throat> pardon me, yeah. had not been uh, had not been postponed, and he won, and he beat Gilbert Burns, and Gilbert Burns also would have been in there if he had beaten Usman. So, um, which I'll kind of say the same for this question before I kind of get into my sort of my other possible picture for the year is, I think if Perez beats Figueredo. Man, he kind of is in that top, top for fight of the year. I, I was just looking at his resume, so he also beat uh, this year Formiga. And uh, oh, geez, what was the other? I Espinosa. 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 Yeah. So that's and then obviously you put Figueroa on top of that. Then in this in this year, which unfortunately has been hit by the pandemic and has prevented a lot of champions from fighting more than once, a lot of stars from more than fighting more than once or twice. Perez's resume would be right up there. Uh, and, and again, I, I think uh, since a lot of people are viewing it as a pretty big upset, 
you know, that's that adds to the story. A lot of people like to see that. It would have to probably be like a knockout, something like that. But I think even uh, a, something convincing, a, a knockout or even like a lopsided decision. Like if he just outworks Figueredo for five rounds, I think that would get some people on the side. It, it, it sounds crazy to say Alex Perez fighter of the year, but it's not just crazy to say <laughs> Kevin Holland. I mean, Kevin Holland, like we said, could be the fighter of the year. So um, for me, though, just to sort of argue against Figueredo, who I think is a great fighter, but to say why I'm not, you say, oh, I don't think he's just for the year. Two wins over Benavidez, as great as Benavidez is, it's tough. It's like two guys against the same opponent. The second fight shouldn't have even happened because he should have made weight. Um, you could argue that he would have gotten another opponent instead of Benavidez if he had made weight for that first fight. Like there's a lot of sort of little factors you can you can take into consideration to say why Figueroa's sort of arc in 2020 would have been different and arguably better um, if he hadn't had to fight Benavidez twice. But again, just with the data we have, I don't know. I don't know if uh, he's the front runner for me. For uh, for fight of the year, and again, it's not his fault. Uh, people could most of these fighters, champions, could only fight uh, one or two times. So I get it. I get it. Him get him winning three title fights, even if it's two against the same opponent. I get why it puts him up there. Wouldn't would not be the front of my list. I don't think. We'll have, we'll have to see. But other names. I mean, I'm looking at like uh, Blachowicz. You know, two fights, yes, but one won a title. Uh, Shevchenko, maybe two dominant wins. Uh, but I, I know people don't view her quality of competition as being that high, which will remove her from it. Holland, he's just missing that signature win. Hermanson, of course, would be it. So I think he takes the lead if he wins. And then you have a bunch of other stars who have um, kind of fought twice. I got like Calvin Cater on there, Jan Shaunan, Chris Cyborg, two title fight wins, add, you know, becoming a, a adding another title to her. I don't think a lot of people are going to put her on the list. She might make my top five. Um, co- again, competition, whatever. People can judge it how they want. And uh, one little sleeper, Carla Sparza, who could go 3-0 should be Hibas. But to answer just the question, I, I really can't give my 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 fighter of the year pick just yet. Clearly, I'm not qualified to do it. I think we found that out. But I can say why I don't. But I mean, that is my argument for why I don't think a win over Brez necessarily makes Figueroa the front runner for fighter of the year. Yeah, Sparza will not be in that conversation because she's not fighting Amanda Hebus anymore. Hebus is now fighting. He was fighting Michelle Waterson in January now. Oh. And and to think Timing I do a didn't line up. To think I do a matchmaking show. It's all good. I will say, okay, you made a very good point. You made a very, very good point. And I want to get Jose's take on this. What if Alex Perez? What if he mm-hmm. beats Davis and Figueredo? Is this fight potentially for the front runner for fighter of the year? Because no one's talking about Alex Perez and his resume stacks up. Finishes of Jordan Espinoza, finishes juicier for Miga with leg kicks, which is just gnarly and nasty to watch. If he goes out there and finishes Davis and Figueredo, that is an impressive year. And he caps it off with the championship. Is he the front runner if he wins? Probably, but like I, so I don't probably three and zero. He would be the front runner on Saturday, but like I said, there would be other fights like the Holland, the Holland fight, and the Hamzat fight. Like, what if, what if Jennifer Meyer wins and she's two and zero and she beats Joanne Calderwood and Valentina Shevchenko, who were supposed to fight in June? She knocks off the one and two fighter in the world, back to back fight. So there's a lot of what ifs uh, we could talk about. So yes, if Alex Perez wins, he's probably the front runner. On Saturday, same as Figueredo, and if Maya somehow pulls a horseshoe out of her ass, she could be she could be up there too. But there's a, we have to see how Saturday plays out first. All right, AK. Actually, Jose, I'll go back to you on this because we mentioned like the non-champions that could win this award. We got Hamza Chimaev, obviously tons of buzz, three and zero, about to headline against Leon Edwards. There's Kevin Holland, four and zero, lot of buzz, getting ready to headline against Jack Manson on December fifth. There's also guys like Brandon Royval. If he beats Brandon Moreno. Three very quality wins, probably out resumes both of those guys, if we're being honest, considering rankings and who they're fighting and stuff. Because Brandon Moreno is the number two ranked guy in this division. In a lot of people's eyes, the number one ranked guy in this division, the guy that should be fighting for the title on Saturday. But is there a chance, like whose resume stacks up better? If we're talking these three guys, if all three of these guys win, all three of these guys do so impressively, are you giving it to a guy like Royval? You giving it to a guy like Holland or are you giving it to Shemaev? based on resume and what they put together. It it's it's very it's three very different scenarios in my mind because yeah, Royval would have been in three quality opponents back to back to back, which is phenomenal. And he he would have to be in the conversation. On the flip side, Kevin Holland, who's 4-0 right now, but is fighting competition that is right on his level in terms of where he is in his career. If he beats Jack Hermanson, that is one of the biggest upsets, if not the biggest upsets of 2020. So you have to you have to take that into account, like him fighting up, have, taking a massive step up 
in competition on short notice to save a card in his first main event, you have to take that into consideration. And then Hamza fighting Leon Edwards, because like we said, Leon Edwards is supposed to fight Tyron Woodley. If he had gotten that fight, I think Leon Edwards would have won. He could be fighting for the championship, not Gilbert Burns. Uh, Leon Edwards is, is also an actual welterweight. Hamza hasn't, let's not forget, Hamza has fought basically two middleweights and a lightweight that move up to welterweight in Reese McKee. So it would be his first welterweight. Uh, Leon Edwards is a, is a, is the level of competition going from Reese McKee um, and uh, Gerald Mearshart to all of a sudden Leon Edwards is a huge jump. It's probably the biggest jump I've seen in a very long time in the UFC in terms of like four fights in uh, in such a short amount of time. So it's it's three different scenarios. And if they all win, they're all in the conversation. But we all it also depends on how they win. If Kevin Holland sneaks out a decision, that's still a win over a massive over a massive. If for whatever reason he goes out there and knocks out, or if God forbid submits Jack Hermanson in the first round. I would put him at the top of the list because Jack, that's Jack Romance's bread and butter, knockouts and ground games. So we have to see how they win first, but it's I, I don't look at them all in the same scenario. All right, AK, let's just say it's the end of the year and we're thinking about December. Let's say Kevin Holland goes in there and finishes Jack Hermanson in the first or second round of the main event. Then all eyes are on Hamzat Shemaev. Let's just say Hamzat Shemaev knocks out Leon Edwards in the first and second round. So if we're talking about like non-championship winning fighters of the year, if both mm. of those guys get great finishes, who are you giving it to, Holland or Shemaev? Uh, taking into account all their other fights as well, uh, a, an impressive win over Hermanson would mean a little bit more to me than an impressive win over Edwards. Uh, I, you can't really compare the rankings. I think Hermanson is higher ranked, uh, and not even kind of the, the, the stupid thing with the, the UFC taking Edwards out of the rankings temporarily. I think Hermanson is higher ranked at middleweight than Edwards is at light welterweight. I could be wrong. But either way, uh, I, taking into account the other wins that Holland has and the other wins that Shemaev has, I like Holland's resume a little bit better if he wins in impressive fashion as opposed to if uh, Shemaev wins in impressive fashion. Shemaev, with a win over Edwards, will be the runaway uh, newcomer slash breakout fighter of the year, however you want to put it. Um, Sometimes guys uh, from that also make it onto the fight of their year list. Uh, Leon Edwards think- is number th- Leon Edwards is number three, and Jack Hermanson oh. is number four. Okay, okay, so uh, close, close, but it would still mean more to me, I think, to see to see Holland get that impressive win. Uh, if I suppose uh, compared to Shamayev doing the same thing to Edwards, uh, he'll again as Shamayev will be the front runner for breakout fight of the year. Yeah, there's like Sean Brady's on there, Daniel Rodriguez, uh, Dvalashvili. Guys who, um, I guess, I, again, not necessarily guys who debuted, but yeah, breakout, right? So he he he'd win that easily. Does it make him the fight of the year? Eh, I I would lean towards Holland. I think uh, Antaveros, a newcomer, sure, but I think Darren Stewart, uh, Buckley, uh, and Hernandez, I think, are better than like the the McKee sort of the McKee and Phillips wins. Mir Shirt might have the edge over some of those names, but it's it's really really close. But again. A few more, you know, one more win for Holland. I think the quality competition was just a little bit higher. And I think the Hermanson win would mean just a little bit more. So Holland, man, he might be the fighter of the year. What a crazy year this is. This is going to be a a long lasting conversation as we approach December 19th and beyond. And the awards will be given out and it's going to be a difficult one to do. But uh, as far as this conversation goes, it will continue. It will continue. Because AK Lee, you have tied things up, my friend. Nicely done. Uh, I might have to take take back what I just said, but uh, I'm so got, sorry. You know the the, the phony so phony pistols aside, <laughs> we'll, we will head to the knockout if, round. If, <laughs> if incorrectly predicting Carlos Sparza is going to fight in a few weeks is not enough look, to give me the point, look, then finger guns isn't. Everybody, went for a spin kick. I went for a spin kick. I whiffed on it. I fell. It happens. It happens to the best of us. I fell on my butt. I fell on my butt. Two things. One, everybody makes mistakes. And two, everybody yeah. who watches the show knows exactly what's going to happen anyways. We're going to the snuck around question. <laughs> I'm, glad, I'm glad. Don't say that. Don't say that. Everybody TV knows this magic. by now. No, no, no. I, I don't, no, no. This is all. Yeah, every, no. Everybody this knows that I'm a coward. As far as, as I'm concerned, I'm not a coward. I'm, as, far as far as I, and I know the comments below are going to mm. say, I'm up 4 mm. I Oh, wow. I uh, I just I, I hope those, uh, those those shots I just fired off we can still be monetized after those live rounds that I just fired. So I, I do apologize for that celebration, for that obscene celebration. And uh, let's let's just get, let's just get to back to business. Frankly, I want to see more. And uh, thank you. And uh, I just want to hear how AK performs in uh, in the knockout round. And for those of you who are new to the program, the knockout round will consist of one question. Uh-huh. 
The competitors have no idea what this question is, and they will have 60 seconds to answer. Once they do, we will turn it over to the judge, the jury, and the executive producer, Casey Lydon. He will render the final verdict. Jose, you are last week's winner. Would you like to go first or exercise the winner's option and pass it on over to Mr. A.K. Lee? Mr. A.K. Lee can go first. <laughs> okay. Just like I wanted. Just like I, okay. as, as, as people who watch the show know, Mike, I'm at my strongest in round five. When round five comes... I'm a new man. All I'm going to say is that you need to thank the PFL and Fabricio Verdum for coming to an agreement because had they not, you would have hated the question I was going to go with. So, <laughs> but we have to, we have to go with this. Big news surfaced, Fabricio Verdum, as you may know by now as you're watching this, who apparently is the freaking Tom Brady of MMA. I'm not even going to address <laughs> the tomfoolery from that press release. But anyways, so Fabricio Verdum, no longer a free agent. He has signed with the Professional Fighters League and will compete during their 2021 season. And there seem to be a lot of options for Verdum coming out of his win over Alexander Gustafson. But the PFL didn't honestly seem like one of the top ones, at least in my mind. A lot of talks about Bellator, maybe having the rematch with Fedor. One, but he signs with the PFL. So what are your thoughts on this move? And do you feel like this was the way to go for the former UFC heavyweight champion of the world? 60 seconds are going to be on the clock in a matter of seconds. There they are. Your time starts now. Well, first of all, thank you for uh, PFL CEO uh, Peter Murray for so eloquently describe, summing up uh, Fabrizio Verdum's career as, yes, the, the Tom Brady. I, I, we've often said, you guys are from New England, I'm sure you guys say all the time that Tom Brady is the Fabrizio Verdum of, of quarterbacking in, in football. So it goes both ways, guys. It goes both ways. Um, but I think it's an incredible move. I love it. I love almost any time a fighter, uh, a quality fighter goes to PFL, not just because it's good for the league, but also... I, I usually give them better than good odds to win it. No, no disrespect to some of the talent that they've that they've grown in the PFL. There's some good guys in there, but I I cannot lie. I had to look up uh, who won the last heavyweight uh, the last PFL heavyweight tournament and, and that one million dollar prize. So Ali Isayev, for anyone who's who's wondering, uh, I did not remember that at all. That that's on me, by the way. That's not on the league, and that's not on Isayev. You know, credit to them. I'm a great performer. But Verdum has a shot to end his career with winning a million dollars. If he sticks around, maybe do the Lance Palmer, maybe win an easy two million dollars. How can, Five you, how can you go against that? Uh, we all want to see the Fedor fight, but this is a great choice for Fabrizio Verdum. All right, Jose, same question for you. 60 seconds about to hit the clock. Fabrizio Verdum signs with the Professional Fighters League. Your time starts now. Uh, I think it's fine. That's what I it's fine. If he wants to win a million dollars, I'm all for people entering the Octagon getting paid. What I think is going to be easy money for Fabricio Verdum, he's easily the favorite to win. We can also have some fun light heavyweight matches. Like you remember when um uh Brandon Lochnay jumped over, he had that random fight before he was gonna enter the contest. Like I know Vinny Magalhaesh beat Fabrizio Verdum in the 2011 ADCC uh, tour of, uh, finals. Uh, so if they want to run that back in MMA, I'm fine with that. But I was really hoping Verdum would either hop over to Bellator so we could see uh, the Fedor rematch maybe in a, in a ring on a Rise of New Year's Eve show or hop over to one championship. Uh, Verdum versus Bader would have been a fun fight. But if we're strictly looking at this as Verdum wants to an easy paycheck before he calls it a career, that's fine with me. Uh, all power to him. He's one of the five greatest heavyweights I'd probably say in MMA history. So if you want to go out with a million dollars, so be it. All right. Fabricio Verdum signs with the Professional Fighters League. And now this matchup in terms of the debates has come to an end. We turn it over to Casey Lydon, the judge, to render the final decision. Casey, who wins? Well, I'm sorry. I'm uh, I was Googling Tom Brady. I never heard of the guy. So one moment. <laughs> uh, the truck always on top of things. <laughs> oh, he plays sports ball. Cool. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I yeah. see. All right. Well, let me um, tally the points up. Jose did call the PFL cage an octagon. Uh, he did. I did. <laughs> which, I did. I, which I did actually I, I approve of. <laughs> Your winner. Mr. Jose Youngs. Oh man, what a battle! You know, it's probably a bad sign when I'm when I'm nodding along with some of his uh, his choices for Purdue. You guys didn't see how often he's he was saying stuff uh, in his last question. I, I was off camera going like, "Hmm, this is pretty good." <laughs> That's probably not a good sign. That's probably not a good sign. 
So there you go. Jose Young's victorious yet again. And with that, you get 30 seconds to talk about whatever it is you want to talk about. Good, bad, and different in the sport of mixed martial arts. Maybe a, a recall out of Mr. Al Shadi. Whatever you want to say, sir. Well, let's let's get one thing straight. This three to two decision is right up there with Paul Felder getting one of the judges scorecard. This was a clean sweep. This was 5-0. We didn't need the championship round. I know the comments are going to agree with me because, come on, it's 5-0. I beat AK Lee like, like I beat him fair and square. Uh, but all power to him. He stepped up on short notice because Sean Alshada decided to once again run away. But I guess he gets some sort of pass because Chris Paul is now on the Phoenix Suns. Uh, sayonara, Kelly Oubre. Thank you so much for everything you did for the city of Phoenix. Um, Phoenix Carnival, I don't want to call you out because I respect the hell out of you. And you are one of the few uh, MMA reporters who I see eye to eye with on both comic books and music. But if you want to go come, because we all know I won that first time we threw down. And I think she does too. So either one, bring them forth and they can lose. I don't want to talk about what's his name. Uh, Ted, Ned, Led, whatever his name is. He's gone. He's out of the picture. He's off cosplaying as Binky from Arthur. He's out of the equation. But hey, Kaylee, thank you for stepping up and losing once again. (laughs) (laughs) So, so respectful right there. So respectful. AK, you're the man. I appreciate it, my friend. Course. Any, anytime anytime you know what these are free title shots for me it's all gravy you know these are all i'm i'm, I'm like a uriah favor give me uh, frankie edgar give me all the title shots i don't care just give it to me i don't need to earn them holly home right holly home give I, me all the title shots i love it well that's gonna do it for this week's episode of between the links of course ufc 255 going down on saturday jose youngs i believe you'll be in uh in sin city with all the coverage sure will. Excellent. So that means the weigh-in show is back. AK, you have something to look forward to. I I do as well. No one does it like Alexander Kaylee. He gets excited. He barely even sleeps the night before. He just wants to get in there and talk about weigh-ins and all sorts of craziness. So we appreciate that. And so stick with us. Lots of fun stuff going on this week. In the meantime, for Alex Kaylee, for Jose Youngs, Casey Lyon on the production, Esther Lynn with the intro. I am Mike Heck. We'll see you back here once again next week. Between the links. Good night, everybody. This has been Between the Links with your host, Mike Heck. Brought to you by MMA Fighting, a production of Vox Media. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S., and visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Bay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts.